fiery horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Ohio silver, the Lone Ranger. The Texas Ranger became a superhero in pop culture long before Spider-Man and his fellow characters from Marvel Comics captured our collective imaginations. Hello, I'm Robert Riggs, here with an experimental edition of True Crime Reporter Texas Ranger Files from Dallas, Texas. Former U.S. Prosecutor Bill Johnston and I usually take you behind the crime scene tape of real-life cases. But in this episode, we are testing out a fictional Texas Ranger superhero inspired by real-life cases. So what is a superhero? They possess supernatural or superhuman powers and are dedicated to fighting the evil in their universe. While browsing through the pop culture gallery of the Texas Ranger Hall of Fame and Museum in Waco, Texas recently, it struck me that the Texas Rangers predate Wonder Woman, Superman, Catwoman, and Batman from a virtual army of comic book superheroes. Think about how the phrase, who was that masked man, is now part of our vocabulary. We realize that the fictional Texas Ranger may be the superhero of all superheroes, and we decided to create a new one. Bill came up with a fictional Texas Ranger named Creed True. We're sharing the first in a series of short stories based on real events about Ranger True to get your feedback. Tell us if you want us to keep developing the plot. Here's Bill with the first episode, The Kidnapper's Tale. In July 1878, the infamous Western outlaw Sam Bass and his gang were scouting for a bank to rob in Georgetown, Texas. Because Bass had recently committed one of the richest train robberies in U.S. history, he was a most wanted man in the West. Everyone was hunting him. This included four Texas Rangers out of Company F in Waco, Texas. It is now well known that the rangers confronted Bass near a bank, got into a shootout, and mortally wounded Bass. What did not get much attention was that a young ranger was also wounded in the shootout. He died the following month. years later. In the grass of a pasture on the side of a hill, Texas Ranger Creed True sat cross-legged. A barbed wire fence can be seen in the distance behind Creed. Also in the grass, cross-legged. Sitting ten feet in front of Creed is a man. Scruffy-looking, faded jeans, and cheap cowboy boots. The man is foolish and desperate. He's holding something awkwardly with one arm and holding an object 
quite comfortably in the other. A baby and a sawed-off shotgun. The whole mess had started three hours before when the jilted scumbag boyfriend broke into the woman's house where he cussed her and hit her for leaving him. After being knocked off her feet and half cuckoo, she shook her head, looked up, and put the back of her hand against her bleeding mouth. She had not quite understood what had happened. So fast, so violent. What a piece of shit, she thought. She met him at a bar in Bandera, Texas. Went out with him a couple of times, and he wanted more. Wanted to move in. Wanted her to do it all. She refused. Now he'd come to her house, just outside of town. Hit her. Messed up her house and ran, she thought, out the back door near the baby's room. She and her baby should probably stay at her mother's house for a few days, she thought. She wet a wash rag with warm water, dabbed her lip, and walked in to get the baby. But the crib was empty. She dropped to the ground in horror, then crawling, stumbling to find her cell phone. She called for the sheriff's office, got a deputy, and told him the story. The deputy told the sheriff, and the sheriff called the FBI in Austin and called Captain Bob Mitchell of Company F Texas Rangers in Waco, Texas. Now in Austin, agents in suits scrambled, not exactly knowing why or what they do, but being excited for the chance. In Waco, at the Ranger Company headquarters, Captain Mitchell sat in his wood and leather chair. He had heard the predicament. He was quiet and wise. Where's Ranger Creed True? Captain Mitchell called out to his longtime secretary, Dorothy. In her twang, she hollered back, Happens to be in the hill country near Bandera. Not surprised, Captain muttered. Surprised, Dorothy quipped. Just said wasn't surprised, Captain responded. Get him on the phone, please, Dorothy. Yes, sir, Dorothy said, and seconds later hollered back into Captain's office. Ranger True, Captain, line one. They talked privately, and then Captain headed himself down toward the hill country. It turned out that Creed had already driven past the victim's house, where he noticed the tire tracks of the kidnapper's truck. For the next hour or so, he saw the tracks off and on as they marked the road from time to time in the dusty areas as he followed the trail. Or he might see it on the dirt shoulder of the road from time to time. At the captain's request, <coughs> uh, command, Creed rendezvoused with another ranger and finished tracking the truck to an all-dirt road, which ran, as Creed knew, down the road and ended up in a dead end near a ranch. Either the kidnapper was down that road or would have to backtrack right toward them. Either way was fine, Creed thought. So Creed and the other ranger waited, for now, at the crossroads where the dirt road began. So then enter politics of desired good publicity for federal agency funding. As six carloads of FBI agents made their way to the crossroads and skidded to a halt, one after the other, 
like carloads of high schoolers who'd just seen a cute girl. Oh, boy, the other ranger told Creed. Yep. Creed responded as he offered a slight smile. The rangers got out of their car and politely engaged the agents. Each agent introduced himself as special agent so-and-so, emphasizing the word special as they did. Their supervisor, whose white shirt was just a little whiter than the rest, explained the jurisdictional issues in such a non-interstate situation, but offered to call their principal legal counsel to get a Title 18 conflict ruling. Uh, thank you for that, Creed said, but I believe we'll just go down this road till we find the man with the baby. Without the hostage rescue team and without the regional SWAT commander? The agent in charge yelled as Creed got into the car. Yes, without that, Creed responded. At the end of the long dirt road sat the truck of the kidnapper. Creed drove slowly as he got within about 100 yards. He saw movement in the truck then, and the door flew open. A man got out holding something in a blanket. He looked down the way at Creed, pointed a shotgun at him, and fired. Although the other ranger cussed and ducked down a bit, Creed did not. He had seen that the shotgun was sawed off, so short, that it would be deadly up close, but almost no good at that distance. The man, after firing the shot, turned and ran toward a fence, clumsily crawled and cursed himself over the fence, and trotted up the hill toward the middle of the pasture. As Creed started to pull forward, he noticed the cars full of FBI agents had been following, but apparently, after hearing the shot, several cars were backing up quickly. The agents who had stayed were standing behind their car working to readjust and tighten up their bulletproof vests. But Creed smiled and continued, and after pulling even with the kidnapper's truck, Creed got out. The other ranger went to the trunk to get his rifle and did so. Creed then took his pistol from his holster and handed it to the other ranger. Come on, Creed, what's this? The ranger responded. I'm quite a shot, said Creed, but as close as he's holding that baby, I don't need a gun. That would just be too dangerous. Let me go see what I can do. I'll try to cover you, said the other ranger. Thanks, said Creed, as he walked toward the pasture fence. Instead of crossing where the kidnapper had, Creed chose to walk on the outside of the fence, where the trees and scrub brush were. He hoped not necessarily to sneak up on the man, but at least to be not so confrontational as to follow his trail into the pasture. By the time Creed had made his way up the fence line, say within a hundred feet of the kidnapper, the kidnapper saw him and yelled, Hey, some bitch! You better head back down that hill or I'll kill her. I'll kill you too. Creed paused. He stopped. The agents who'd already believed that Creed had certainly not followed proper kidnapper arrest protocol were now smirking to each other down by their cars thinking that Creed had gotten scared or perhaps had decided to act more conventionally. By now, other rangers as well as Captain Mitchell had arrived on the scene. 
They all watched as Creed did something odd. Creed said something to the man which they could not hear. Then he slowly turned around once, showing that his holster had no gun in it. Then he said something else. He raised his shirt and turned around to show that he had no weapon on him at all. Nothing under his shirt. Nothing tucked in his pants. After doing so, he unzipped his pants right there in front of everybody and properly tucked in his shirt. Uh, Captain Mitchell had once given him hell for not having his shirt in the right way, and so he thought he'd do what he could. So then Creed walked to the closest point along the fence to the man and the baby, and he crossed the fence by stepping on the lowest rung of the fence and swinging his leg over, being careful not to let the barb stick him in a bad place, eh, like where he had just untucked and unzipped. As most all watched with their mouths agape, eh, all but Captain Mitchell, Creed walked in front of the kidnapper and sat down, cross-legged, looking like a mirror image of how the kidnapper was sitting. They talked for a long time. But then it may be that the kidnapper was bored with the conversation, but more likely he became, for some reason, very nervous about Creed. So then he took his eyes off of Creed, and he gestured with the shotgun and looked way down the hill at a white, Texas-style ranch house. I'm headed down there, he told Creed. Tell him all to stay far away. I'll kill this damn baby and every one of y'all I can. As he finished his smart-ass little demand, he was turning back toward Creed. But in that tiny bit of time, as he had looked away, something had changed. To the man's eye, Creed, still sitting cross-legged, seemed closer. Was he? The man blinked and shook his head just like a cartoon character might after being bonked on the head with an oversized hammer. Ah, I'm headed down there, repeating his statement, but now with a shaky voice. I can't let you do that, said Creed. Just now, the fact that the ranger had no weapon terrified the man, terrified him. And now Creed's voice sounded to him like the Loud crack of close lightning. Immediately his body got cold and began shaking. And quickly in his foolish mind he convinced himself that he was somehow paralyzed. He, he started to mutter, I don't understand this shit at all. What is going on? Well, who the hell are you? I'm here to help you. To help you both. Creed calmly explained as he lifted first the shotgun and then the baby from the kidnapper's arms. The two men stood up, and the three of them came down the hill together. All was well. A crisp-shirted FBI agent looked on from a distance and said to another, in jealousy, What the hell? What does he think he's doing? What, who did that? Who does this? Who operates like this? Creed's boss, Captain Mitchell, said nothing. 
He just gently bit his bottom lip and pondered. This was not the first time that he had so pondered. Now ponder this. Do you want to hear the origin story of Texas Ranger Creed True? Bill hints at it in the opening about the Texas Rangers' real gunfight with the Old West outlaw Sam Bass. And how about the moment a chill came over the kidnapper and he suddenly gave up? Was it a supernatural moment? Stay tuned. We welcome your comments and suggestions at our email, fans at truecrimereporter.com. That's fans at truecrimereporter.com. It's in our show notes. And if you like this, we will open a separate podcast channel so you can hear the adventures of Texas Ranger Creed True.